0: This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org.
1: Welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I am your host. And I'm joined by the Richard Blackaby himself. Great to be with you, Sam. It's always a pleasure, Richard. Uh, it's always nice to sit across from you and think deep things about leadership, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll ask dumb questions, and you'll oh yeah, I'm set me on that. the right course, and I, I do what I can. So you know, I, I make no I, promises. <laughs> well, we we appreciate that. Uh, one of the things that um, I really love uh One of the segments I guess that we do and and uh, a lot of our listeners really love as well is uh when we look at leaders uh, in the past and usually we uh, it's usually fairly distant past uh present um leaders that we look at and presidents and uh various people and uh today we're going to look at what we thought we had already done uh a biography on uh, the great and powerful Truman. Yes. Uh, president of the U.S. And uh, I actually, funny enough, this is a book that I read. I, 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 I finally stumbled on one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had to keep, you had to look high and low. but We got eventually... through Dr. Seuss, and so that was... Yeah, a...
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so uh, this is a pretty... Hefty book. Yeah, it's um, over a 1, 1,100 pages. By David pages. McCullough.
0: Yeah, David McCullough. Uh, this book on Truman is actually considered a classic uh, presidential biography. The, of course, there's a number of biographies written on various presidents, but this one, David McCullough, of course, is a very res- respected historian, and uh, this is kind of considered a standard work now um, on a, what a presidential biography should be like. Uh, well researched, uh, well written, interesting, uh, uh, insightful. And so, you know, certainly if you're looking for a presidential biography, this is the one to, to yeah. read on Truman.
1: And McCullough has that, that's sort of his thing, right? Is these. Uh, He's done that, and he's done some histories as well. Like he's written on, I think uh, 1776. Yeah, is that by him as well?
0: Yeah, yeah. He's he's written several. Uh, I think I think he's the one that uh, wrote most of his on like manual typewriters or something. He's like an older guy that does it old school way, but uh, that's that's but it's done well. Yeah, uh, I think he won the Pulitzer Prize for this one. So uh, you know, it's a well well read one. I I remember this particular biography because when I read it, I was doing an experiment. And this is the book I, I when when people tell me that they don't have time to read, uh, I just feel like normally that just means that they're just not using their time well. So yeah, I took this book with me um, and I tried to read it just on time that otherwise would have been wasted. So like I went to the doctor, I, I read this in the waiting room. And then if you're delayed 30 minutes, running late, I've had 30 minutes to read. And I, every time I went to meet someone for lunch or breakfast in a restaurant, I'd bring this book in and I had it in my car and I went to pick up a kid from school. And, and it took me less than a month to read a 1100 page book uh and just purely was time that otherwise time. I would have sat there yeah. just frustrated waiting and uh, and so what the instead, I got to read one of the best presidential bi- biographies out there. And so you know, you, it can be done uh, even these long books, uh, especially when they're they're well re- written, then you, you know the, it's easy just to pick up it and makes it easier to to plow through if it's yeah if it's a good read. And, and of course i'm fascinated by the 20th century so much happened uh of, of such epic proportions uh and uh, and certainly with truman he faces some of those things and we've talked about this before but there's a lot of of ratings where historians will will kind of rate the top presidents or all the presidents you know where do you rate them in terms of greatest. And uh, Truman oftentimes slips into the, the top five. Uh, oftentimes he'll be listed perhaps at number four, number five. Mm. Uh, and what's interesting about that is um, of course there, there, there's a number of reasons that we can kind of touch on. But um, of course he's the one who said the buck stops here. And he's quite famous for that saying. And he, what he realized was that as a leader, he was paid to decide. He had he was paid to make decisions, and mm. and he had to be willing to face the consequences for the decisions he made. Which a lot of politicians today try to have an escape clause, where yeah. if something goes wrong, uh, they have a way of blaming someone else. And Truman uh, did not do that. And of course, he he faced some of the biggest decisions that a U.S. president had ever made. Uh, course he's the one who decided to drop an atomic bomb the only president to ever decide that Um, he decided to do an airlift into berlin when the soviet union tried to seal off berlin and starve out the western side that belonged to to the to the west Uh, he decided to go into to war in korea when again it it, the potential for a nuclear war and uh, a third world war uh, Loomed before him, and uh, he he chose to fire uh, MacArthur when MacArthur was one of the most popular war heroes of World War II, uh, and uh, he just he made a number of decisions that uh, it it sometimes were not always uh, popular, especially at the time. Yeah, and it, what's interesting is that when Truman left office, uh, he had a very low. Uh, approval rating. I, at one point, I think it got down to like 23 percent or so, um, and and so it, w- what what he also sort of exemplifies is the fact that oftentimes history. You need a bit of time for history to evaluate uh, yeah. what you did, because of course there's always rhetoric, and your op- opponents are constantly trying to belittle what you've done and make it seem not important, or to magnify your mistakes as if they're just catastrophic. And so you need some history to pass where things settle down, and and you can look back and say, well, everybody said that he was going to, you know, cause World War Three, but of course he didn't, and mm-hmm. and he, everyone said that. What he was doing was terrible, but now as we look back, we realize no, that actually was great. And so he has sort of risen in the polls ever since he left office uh, to where he's often rated in the top five. And and you know other presidents at times they leave uh, office quite popular, but as you have time to evaluate, well, what did they actually do that that lasted? You Mm -hmm. know, cut out all the hype and all the PR and stuff and the spin and. You know what? What lasted from them that was good, and sometimes popular presidents they go down in the polls because the more you evaluate their contribution, you realize once all their marketing and publicity people aren't around, um, there's, there's not necessarily as much there as you thought. So yeah, so Truman is certainly one of those guys uh, that falls in that category, uh, and 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 like all the biographies that we've seen, he's one of those. M- Unlikely people. Again, he's yeah. uh, when he's when he's a child. He, he he has terrible eyesight. In fact, he he says he was blind as a mole, <laughs> and uh, couldn't you know he couldn't catch a ball. He couldn't really play sports. Uh, at a certain, he said it was kind of life changing when finally he was given glasses. And and he grew up in Independence, Missouri. When he, uh, you know, as a boy in Missouri. Only sissies wore glasses back in that time, yeah. And uh, you know, supposedly, and uh, and so he uh, was not athletic. He never got into fights. Uh, uh, He was not that popular in in a lot of ways. Uh, Just not the kind of guy that you're going to expect to become some champion in World War II kind of thing. But uh, he was a bookworm he loved history which uh, of course that's one of the reasons i like him yeah. uh and he loved uh people who made history and a lot of those were military leaders generals were kind of his fam- his favorite people but if you look at his life like we've seen with a lot of these biographies um he he faced a lot of adversity and uh his own father uh he he greatly respected his dad his dad was a a man of principle in many ways but um, suffered uh, he, he financially. His, at one point, his dad declared bankruptcy and uh, it was a very humiliating time. They had no money, they were quite poor. It was kind of shameful. Uh, his father-in-law ultimately uh, committed suicide. And again, that was quite a shameful thing in that, that day and that culture um he uh truman was not he, in many ways his journey is a lot like abraham lincoln's uh trying to make a go on the farm and not having a lot of success with that uh it just seemed like bad luck just continued not it a, he tried a, like a haberdashery or something yeah. at one point yeah and uh ultimately they they go belly up and uh he um, and of course they could have just declared bankruptcy and walked away from everything, but he, uh, he, he was a person of integrity and, um, and he was determined that he would pay back, uh, everybody, whatever they owed. And, uh, it took him over 15 years, uh, that he's still paying people for what, uh, what they owed them. And, uh, uh, and he was just that kind of person. And so of course it just meant he didn't have a lot of money himself and he and he really never did even uh when he finally le- leaves the presidency back when he left they didn't even i don't think they even had a uh you know any kind of income as a former president and yeah. th- it was because of truman i think and he 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 basically all he had when he left the presidency was uh he got a little over a hundred dollars a month from being a world war one veteran and yeah. uh, and so it it was some friends of Truman's that ultimately uh, campaigned to say, hey, if you've been president for basically eight years, uh, you ought to have some kind of retirement income from that. And uh, they did that primarily because Truman had nothing. And uh, so, you know, in fact, when he was even a a U.S. senator, he was actually going to uh, get like free dental work at a clinic that uh, was helping like poor people because he couldn't afford to go to a dentist even though he's a u.s senator and of course he could have been corrupt he could have uh sold favors and used his influence to enrich himself well it sounds
1: like i forget the the names of the cohort of guys there in uh missouri but it sounds like there's a lot of kind of mob boss types that he was around and and so he very well
0: could have yeah. Done well for himself. And yeah, there was the, a guy named Pintagras who was yeah, kind oh, of right. the main uh, kind of boss of Kansas City, sort St. of the St. king, Louis the area. kingmaker of Kansas City. Yeah, and he'll ultimately get in trouble with the law and the FBI. But uh, but, but that uh, Tr- Truman really, I mean, and he does everything kind of late. He uh, he he gets married when he's about thirty-five or so, uh, and part of that was because he uh, he 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 loved uh his uh future wife uh Bessie and uh desperately wanted to marry her but felt unworthy and wanted to wanted to somehow get some financial stability to to make sure he could take care of her properly and uh and then World War 1 comes around and he, his eyesight is so bad that he can't qualify to be a soldier and he's also a, a farmer at that time and farmers were exempt from the draft. They they needed farmers to stay and make and produce food, but um, he he basically memorizes the eye chart, so that he can pass. Uh, he can't read it, but he memorizes it so he knows what each letter is supposed to be, and even then, uh, just barely gets in. He at one point a doctor is giving him a physical and is about to fail him, and Truman just basically won't let him fail him. Just keeps talking to him until he finally puts him on through. And it was really in World War One that he ultimately gets into the artillery and discovers that he's actually a really good leader. Uh, he he rises up as a, to, to be an officer. And, uh, you know, he, he applied to West Point originally, and he gets turned down uh, because of his eyesight. And he'll ultimately always have a bit of a sort of a love-hate relationship with West Point because uh, a lot of the... Military aristocrats like MacArthur and others go there, but he was turned down by West Point. Yeah, and, and he had such esteem for the military. Yeah, and and that would have, but 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 he just never had an easy road. And, yeah. And so you know he'd apply and try to get in and be turned down and and uh but he he comes out of World war one uh having proven his mettle. Uh, and and basically truman's a person who who likes people uh, and he's a person of integrity, a person that uh will work very hard at whatever job he's given and uh, and he finally gets a bit of a break with this pentagrass uh, this powers that be uh, that want him uh, to be their man. Uh, and they, they make him, they give him a couple of kind of government positions out in Missouri. And, um, and he does it with zeal. I mean, he, he's the kind of guy, you give him a job and then all of a sudden he's cleaning up the mess and he's cutting expenses and they're, uh, within budget and they're, they're reducing the debt that he inherited. And, but he just says up front, I'm not going to, basically I won't be corrupt. I won't take bribes. I won't, uh, and they'll come to him and say. Back at, at one point, they were saying, "Okay, but we'll put you in this job, but you can't hire Catholics or you can't hire, you know, African Americans or whatever." And he would just say, "I'm not. I just won't be bound by that. If if you put me in there, I'll I'll hire the best people and so on, and I'm not going to discriminate." And and so there's times he will lose jobs because of that. Because uh, but also he could easily have, uh, enriched himself and taken bribes. He's, he's responsible for handing out all kinds of contracts on roads and things that mm-hmm. would be easy to take bribes for and which he doesn't. And, uh, and so he never has a lot of money. Um, but, uh, and then even when he becomes, uh, you know, he becomes a Senator at one point and, uh, and he doesn't talk a lot, doesn't make a lot of speeches. Uh, he was never a great orator. Uh, his biographer says early on, when he first started making political speeches, he said the best thing about them was that they were short. <laughs> he kept them brief, <laughs> uh, and uh, and eventually he'll become a, a U.S. senator. And uh, he doesn't he doesn't give a lot of speeches, doesn't draw a lot of attention to himself, but he 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 always does his homework. He's uh, he always prepared, uh, and he's and he's loyal, uh, sometimes even to a fault. Eventually, when this pentagrass is uh Hoover at the FBI is trying to get after you know take him down uh and it politically it would be really smart of Truman to distance himself and not you know admit that he was friends with someone that is uh a criminal but Truman knows that this guy gave him his break and he's always been good to him and and Truman just won't do it, even when it's politically, uh, you know, th- th- that's part of why his popularity sometimes will go down, because uh, he'll say, this guy's always been good to me. Why would I throw him under the, under the bus? Yeah. And uh, and so you know that with Truman. It, it's also interesting, because when he leaves office as president, his approval rating is one of the lowest of any outgoing presidents ever. But um, But they said the people that were closest to him, liked him the most. I mean, the closer yeah. you got to him, when you got past all the newspaper headlines and all the political attacks and you actually work with him, he the, the McCullough says people were very, very loyal to him in return. And uh, and they said, you know, a lot of times people will sort of write tell-all books after someone's been the president, you know, and you, they work with them for two years and now they, they tell all the dirt of what that guy did. McCullough says none of his close aides and and, and workers uh, ever did that to him they, yeah. they always stayed loyal to him and and Truman just and, and they just say uh, that he 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 always remembered where he came from and where he was going and just never would get a big head about it and uh, and because of that uh, he would just do things that had you know not been done by others and he would for instance uh, when the when the uh, White House, uh, kitchen had made a particularly good dessert or meal or something. He'd go back into the kitchen to thank the the chef who made it, and that was just unheard of. You know, Ro- Roosevelt Franklin had been the president before Truman, and he was an aristocrat, and that was just expected. You yeah. didn't go in the kitchen to thank anybody. And at one point, uh, famous uh, uh, pian and Truman was actually a very good pianist himself, and. Uh, at one point, they brought in someone to the White House, a List, I think, to do a concert and play some music. And uh, and when List needed someone to to turn the the music pages over, Truman got up and was doing that for him. Yeah. And afterward, List was saying, "Can you imagine, like, the president of the United States turning my music pages for me?" But but Truman just never was the kind of guy who put on airs. Which uh, and the other thing about Truman is that he followed one of the most popular presidents of all time, Uh, the only guy to win four elections. And so he was always being compared to Roosevelt. And Roosevelt um, put on airs, and Roosevelt always put on a good face. And um, in front of the cameras, he was charming. And, And Truman just refused to sort of play to the camera Truman would just kind of would be himself kind of a no nonsense yeah and so of course that doesn't play as well to just popular uh audiences and uh there were those who felt like truman um he could identify with a common man and there were a lot of people that um who could relate to him they felt like this guy just no nonsense tells truth You you know what you get with him won't be flashy, you know, won't be spectacular, but, um, but at least you, you kind of can take it to the bank. You know, what, what Truman says is what's what he's going to do. And, um, of course he, he gets, um, when Franklin Roosevelt, he runs four times for, for president and he had, I think three different vice presidents in that time. But, uh, but in the end, when he runs for the last time is when Truman finally has made, vice president and uh and truman uh he's he, roosevelt's never all excited about truman he just yeah. feels like well he's the, the can do me the least damage yeah. sort of not a rousing uh you know voice of support but uh well,
1: and i think because the other guys didn't they have like a bunch of they had a bunch of issues, and so it was like,
0: well, yeah, Truman's kind of the cleanest of the bunch. Yeah, and Truman actually had just been uh, chairman of a committee that had looked at all the government contracts in the military. That's right, yeah. And they were spending a fortune. Well, the Truman Commission, right? Yeah, and that... and he and of course he's a no nonsense kind of guy, and just did not tolerate bribes and and little paybacks and stuff. And he just sees a lot of inefficiency, a lot of money the government's spending that it doesn't need to be spending. And so he just really tightens things up and he saves uh, the government millions of dollars when he cleans up the contracts. And so he, he kind of he builds a reputation as a no nonsense, honest kind of guy that is for efficiency and so on and, and so ultimately, uh, Roosevelt says, Okay, this guy can't hurt me. He's he's known for his honesty and so on, but he's not flashy and so they would never be friends. No, uh, they never yeah. ran around the same circles, and and so uh, I think Truman is probably vice president for like eighty some days, eighty eight days or something like that before Roosevelt dies, and he's he's made president. But I think Roosevelt met with him maybe twice in that time, and just and, and never really to talk seriously about policy or what was going on. And yeah. so like things like the atomic bomb, uh, Truman doesn't even know about it. Uh, until he's president, and then they yeah. kind of come into him and say, "Hey, we got to. You need to be aware of what's going on." We got and, some decisions to make here. Uh, and Roosevelt yeah. had gone to uh, Malta, I believe, to um, to meet with Stalin and Churchill, and uh, and he didn't even take his vice president with him, even though Roosevelt is getting very feeble and frail, and his hands are shaking, and it's obvious that. Uh, to most people who are near Roosevelt that he's not going to last four years. Uh, And yet he doesn't brief his vice president and and doesn't take him with him in these world international meetings. Uh, And so when all of a sudden he dies, uh, Truman is having to just speed up. He's never met with Churchill or Stalin and doesn't know about the atomic bomb. And all of a sudden it's up to him to sort all that out at the close of World War II. I think that's the
1: thing that is so crazy when i was reading this is like the amount of stuff he had to like take in and then make a decision about in such a short amount of time it was just crazy well let's take a quick break here and we'll wrap up when we come back come here from richard blackaby live march 28th through the 30th at the billy graham training center at the cove in an event titled the senior celebration living victoriously in a troubling confusing and dangerous world peace and tranquility can be shattered in an instant by our hostile culture or the trials we face how do we live with joy and confidence in the lord no matter the circumstances come study mark 4 and learn to rest in christ's power to deliver us from the brokenness of our world richard would love to meet you at this event and we hope to see you there you can find out more at thecove.org and we'll leave links in the show notes So, Richard, there's a lot that uh, I think leaders can learn uh, from Truman. There's a lot of uh, things that he did well as a leader. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in the time we have remaining here, why don't you just maybe outline a couple of those things uh, that sort of stand out to you from his uh, career and his time as uh, as president as well?
0: Well, you know, Truman's one of those who said uh, it's amazing what you can get done if you don't mind uh, who gets the credit. Yeah. And, uh, and so for instance george marshall became a secretary of state and developed what became the marshall plan which basically uh saved europe after the yeah. war europe was devastated by all the destruction and uh and the the marshall plan allowed i think up to about 17 different countries ultimately uh, took uh, advantage of that to rebuild and yeah. so when you looked at uh like west germany compared to east germany it was just there's even years later, there still was all kinds of destruction on the eastern side, but West Germany was a modern, bustling city. Yeah, and uh, and so of course Truman could easily have taken that and called it the Truman Plan. He was the president; he's the one who approved it. But but Truman said to but the, George Marshall's the one who came up with it. So he said, "No, we should name it after you. You it was your idea." And he just never uh, took, had his ego get in the way uh, and. And and so that that enabled him uh, to get a lot done. And uh, and it's also said there's an interesting picture in the book of his, of Truman's desk, and it says that the longer he was in office, uh, the more conscious he became of time. And there, there's more and more clocks on his desk. I, now I imagine some were probably given as gifts, and yeah. And so over the time, he just has more and more clocks to put there. But. But they said he was just very much aware of the importance of of um, the time that he had and the opportunity to be an influence, and so he uh, did not want to waste his time. And yeah. he was always doing his homework. He was always prepared. Uh, he was always willing to make tough decisions, regardless of uh, how unpopular it might be. And I think that's you know that is one of the things I think that we can certainly learn a lot from him today is now uh, the politicians are more concerned of just don't let anything stick to them that's negative Uh, Mm -hmm. spin everything to be positive and Truman would just say I I had to make some tough decisions and only history may prove whether they were wise or not but at the time I did my homework and I made the decision and no one else is to blame but me if uh if it didn't go well which uh is refreshing, and you just realize it's just not the way politicians uh, function basically yeah. today. The other thing that's interesting is that he was very close family and very close to his wife uh, all the years. And there's some interesting stories where he was meticulous about avoiding any even appearance of compromise. At one point, he had a he w- was called to a meeting, uh, and he took a, a, someone else with him to a hotel when they came to the door, some scantily clothed woman came to the door. It was basically kind of a setup uh, to get some dirt on him. And the aide that was with Truman later said, Truman literally ran down the hallway. I mean, just ran to get away from there. Uh, and even the aide said it was almost hyper sensitive to that. But yeah. uh, he, and another point, an aide uh, was trying to ingratiate himself to Truman and said he could get him you know, whatever he wanted, he could get for him. If he wanted women, whatever he wanted, he just tried to help out the boss. And Truman just basically said, I've got everything I'd ever want in my wife and I'm not, you know, don't even mention that to me again. He was very loyal. His wife uh, later in life said uh, that no matter how busy her husband was uh, in World War II and all that, she said, every time I put my hand out, he always was there to take it. Hmm. And so real, uh, very loyal person, very principled person. You, you might not agree with all of his, uh, political views, but you, you, you did have the feeling that he was, uh, making decisions, uh, out of conscience and out of what he truly believed was best yeah. and, uh, wasn't perfect. Certainly, um, uh, could sometimes trust his, I mean, you could be loyal to a friend, to a fault sometimes. Uh, and there were times, but he, he. He couldn't stand people who put on airs, people that were phonies. And yeah. uh, and so people like MacArthur, were, who was so arrogant, so, so famous for his pride. And he, he's brilliant, but um, prideful and egocentric and such an opposite of Truman that uh, when it became obvious that he needed to be fired, Truman, of course, could have had uh, people line fire him, but he felt like that was, he knew it would be be unpopular. He knew that there'd be backlash. And so he, he chose to do it himself. And, uh, it just makes you wonder what our world would be like, our nation would be like today if leaders followed more of his example Mm -hmm. of, instead of trying to avoid anything negative being attached to you, uh, maybe being known as the guy who just makes hard decisions. And, uh, Uh, and then let history ultimately record, uh, what you were like. Once all the propaganda and hype is, is passed and people just look back on your days there, uh, were they good days? Did, were things made better because of you? Uh, did you just put the best effort in? And, and certainly I've been a couple of places as a leader and, you know, I, I think generally I'm, I'm just very grateful that when, People look back on the period that I led. They'll they, certainly you can second guess things that were decided, but um, but you also realize, but they were good days and stuff was happening and it was positive mm-hmm. and things were growing and uh, you know despite your mistakes, um, you, you you hope that as a leader, people can look back later with some perspective and say those were actually really productive, fruitful days. A lot of good was done, and certainly for Truman. Uh, I think leaders, you, you ultimately have to just trust your leadership into the hands of history, that history will validate uh, the leadership that you did with integrity. And uh, at a certain point, you've got to walk away. And um, Truman was often under, uh, he, he he was just underestimated by a lot of his opponents. Of course, famously, in 1948, he ran against uh, Dewey. and And Dewey was a Republican. He was he was highly favored. He was a very popular governor, I think, of New York. And uh, and and Truman was such an underdog that famously, some of the big uh, papers actually had already printed out headlines: "Dewey Wins." Yeah. Even though ultimately Truman would win, and uh, and Truman. I think always got a great kick out of that. How many times he was not expected to win? Wasn't there like a photo of him like holding up yeah, one of those papers, up a paper and just kind of saying like Dewey wins?" and he didn't. Smirking a little. Uh, yeah. And but I think Truman also just had a always had a faith in the the common person. Yeah. That if you could just kind of talk straight with people, that he he respected them and their opinions, and uh, that you, you didn't have to spin everything and and you didn't have to lie he just felt like if people know the truth, they'll want to do the right thing. And, uh, he certainly, he certainly
1: puts in the work on the campaign trail. And I think that's when he, when he goes up against Dewey,
0: like yeah, you just see, he just, I mean, out on schedule. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and, and they and people said that he, he liked it. A lot of politicians will put on a fake smile, uh, and shake a lot of hands, but, uh, and then they get off camera and they, you know, could care less. But, uh, uh, but the people said Truman genuinely cared about people. He liked people. He was. Well,
1: you get the sense that he was a he was a statesman, and he knew that that was what his job was. He wasn't there yeah. to kind of make himself great, but to serve yeah. the people. And
0: that's a your that's a great kind of point to end on, uh, Sam. Is that there's a the, we've always said there's a difference between a politician and a statesperson, mm-hmm. and a statesperson is bigger they have a longer view they, they they'll, they'll wade in and make the tough decisions they're not so driven by winning the next election and holding on to office as they are about solving problems right. and uh, doing what's best for the country whether it's will ultimately be what's best for your career and so he ends up he, he ultimately he writes a memoir and he and he gets uh, there's some people that helped him out so that he he didn't just end his life in poverty. But um, one of the last, probably blue-collar kind of presidents, uh, and you know, Lincoln certainly was another one of those. And uh, interesting, those two guys in particular, uh, you know, Washington, the, the The top five presidents typically are Washington and Lincoln, and the two Roosevelts and Truman. And uh, the other th- three of them are kind of aristocrats: the, the Roosevelts and Washington wealthy people. Yeah. But Lincoln and Truman are the blue collar presidents who related to the people. And uh, they have a very special place, I think, in American history as a result. Yeah. Well, as always, we'll leave links to
1: this book by David McCullough in the show notes. And until next time